0: Welcome folks, Chad Adams here, sitting in for Pete Callender here at WBT Radio 9, News Talk 1110-993, glad to have you joining us and it's a pleasure to be here, Ryan, there. I do believe we, we do have a special guest that's probably already in studio, we'll get there later, a lot going on for first, if you want to get in on the conversation, feel free to give us a call, 704, that's 704-570-1110, 570 kind of goes right in there with that 1110, easy to remember. One of the best, if not the best radio station news talk left in all of North Carolina, because I, I think that, you know, I, that, that conservative radios in North Carolina are an endangered species. We don't fall under the Endangered Species Act, but there are fewer, many fewer than there were just 10 years ago. And so WBT carrying on a proud tradition and doing a fantastic job of that. And I appreciate all the folks that are still making it happen in and around North Carolina. Our Governor Cooper, our illustrious governor has made an announcement, this was not long was yesterday afternoon after we got off the air, that he is really proud of the $5 billion for electric vehicle charging stations that President Biden's planning to build. The shift toward EVs will benefit our economy and the environment. In North Carolina, we've set ambitious goals to combat climate change, and we're already making progress to meet them. Now, I, I saw that and I thought, the governor, if you follow the governor's Twitter feed in North Carolina, if you follow Governor Cooper's Twitter feed, what you find is Every now and then, he writes one. So in other words, if the governor writes something, if he, if Governor Cooper actually gets there and writes something, he'll sign it with an R and a C. Otherwise, even though it comes from him, it's not him. It's a great plausible deniability. So if his staff screws up and writes something very erroneous, then the governor can say, I didn't write that. Staff wrote that. I didn't write that. This is the same governor that historically, even as attorney general, there are very few phone records. Very few emails. This is someone who has shunned forms of communication because he's reasonably paranoid all the time. He doesn't want his name on any emails or phone calls. I mean, every scandal, if you even look at even the the pipeline scandal in North Carolina, all of the different things related to public records requests, you very rarely see attorney Roy Cooper's name on anything. He just, he likes to hide in the background and say, I didn't do it. I have that Mr. Rogers demeanor. Okay, we need to put our mask on. Mandate still out there. his his Department of Health and Human Services. The toolkit for schools hasn't changed, even though more and more school systems are repudiating the mask mandate all over the place. By the way, uh, remind you, the president himself said this was the winter of death. Remember that? We're heading into a winter of death, a winter of death. Just when you look at this. And it, it's sad. We, we we should be able to have sensible debates. I look at the Joe Rogan thing and think about how absurd it is that when the left disagrees with you, they want to get rid of you. You know, when, when I see the, the left doing crazy things half the time, I don't lie. Look, if you're on if you're on a TV show and your TV show tanks or, or your radio show tanks and you can't get advertisers, that's one thing. That's that's fine. But for someone to physically go out and try to remove you from the ability to speak to remove you from the ability of having an opinion. That's very un-American. So when you see all of these leftist groups, it's kind of terrifying that they have this Fahrenheit 451 Ray Bradbury way of trying to just throw people out. The destruction of an opinion, the destruction of a viewpoint is extremely un-American. I mean, you can get mad enough like Aaron Byrne, Alexander Hamilton, and, and duke it out with guns. No, you can't. They did back then. You can't now. But to just cancel people be- because you think that there you don't like you're so angry that there are opinions out there you want to remove them is very, I don't know, pre-war Germany, meh. It can hit. I mean, it's a form of tyranny. It really is. I mean, you expect it in Venezuela. You expect it in Cuba. You expect it in China. You don't expect it here. At least we shouldn't. But I want to go back to the governor's statement. The governor's statement about EVs, I, I, and I don't want to dwell on this. I just find it fascinating when when they when you throw out these friendly Hey, I really dig you. Hey, I really like you. I don't want to talk about the reality of what this relationship is like. I just want to give you these nice little tidbits of information that are wonderful. Your your hair, it's just remarkable. I don't want to talk that you are moon back crazy and you need to be in an asylum. I just want to talk about the friendly stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that we get, these platitudes from those on the left many times it sounds so friendly. I'm for a clean environment. Those evil people that don't agree with me, well, they are horrible human beings. They want to fill your oceans with plastic, and they want to, they want to have four-mile-an-hour cars that you know put lead gas out in the atmosphere and kill kids and kick puppies. That's the kind of attitude, this us-versus-they mentality. Instead, when the governor tweets something like that out, a legitimate form of inquiry – Should be, hey, okay, I get you want to build all these rechargeable stations, but at the same time, Governor, you also want to have our entire electrical grid in large measure dependent on solar and wind. I've got nothing against solar and wind, Governor, but show me how that provides enough electricity to not just deal with the AC needs in the summer and the heat needs in the winter for 10 million people. Take it a step further, Governor, because we already strain. How many of you get beat the peak alerts? I mean, this gorgeous day out here in February, we're thankful for it. Remember, winter of death wasn't that. We'll talk about how the the president president also said that uh, inflation was temporary. We'll talk about that. Even Lester Holt didn't fall for it this time. But let's go back to the EVs. You know, it's legitimate to ask. When you get all these, when when we can barely supply the electricity with conventional forms of electricity to hit these peaks in the winter and summer. Think about adding, I don't know, five million electric vehicles to that grid. And not expanding the ability of that grid to handle things. In other words, as we decommission conventional forms of energy. By the way, those forms of energy that all of you are using, all of your kids out there that won't, you know, won't use plastic straws are using you know, coal-fired energy still or natural gas-fired energy. They're using conventional forms of energy. But they don't, they, don't, they don't connect their utilization of it. And our governor, when I looked at this, I just said, that's interesting. But what we need is we need to have consistent, dependable, affordable power. That means you need electricity 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In the wintertime, middle of the night when it's really cold and people want to stay warm. In the middle of the summer, the heat of summer. So if you can't produce electricity when the wind's not a-blowing or the sun's not a-shining, How do you produce electricity? And people say, well, you'll just store it in batteries. No, that's the assumption that not only can those windmills and solar panels produce all the electricity you currently need, they can produce so much electricity that there's enough of it to store in batteries and then power you. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you here. WBT News Talk 1110-993. You want to get on the conversation? 704-570-1110. The voice sounds a little different. This is Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. Appreciate the opportunity to be here in the chair, so to speak. We do get guests that come through. Now, I may not be exactly where they are, but we have a very special guest, and I want to give a little background. Dale Falwell has been a personal friend for many years. He is an incredible state treasurer. I'm saying this. He didn't – this is not provoked. I've known him. I knew him when he was a legislator. I knew him when he challenged his own party on several fronts. He's always been a principal conservative. He is a, an understated guy in many ways. Carries. I just – Consistently has been probably one of the most tireless state treasures we've ever had. And I know, you know, he's sitting in the studio kind of rolling his eyes at me, likely. But uh, Dale Fowell, our state treasurer with us now, as we are confronting in North Carolina a true healthcare problem. And it's not that we don't have great doctors or nurses. We have a horrific system that is that is escalating costs beyond that which companies can afford. Self-insured companies are getting crushed. The state is a self-insured company in many respects. With retirees, uh, these 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 cartels have been created. These massive hospital systems. Rural hospitals are closing. The big hospitals are buying up. There's less competition. We have a certificate of need process. <gasps> I could go on, but with that, with all that being said, I want to introduce Dale Falwell. Welcome to the show. How the heck are you
1: today, uh, Treasurer? I'm doing great, Chad. Thank you for having me and Ryan. And, you know, it's uh, you know how to really whipsaw your audience. You talked about nice hair and kind and gentle a few moments ago. And then you, boom, you put me in the show.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, hey, you're one of the toughest dudes I know. This is someone, by the way, a lot of folks don't know, don't realize you've raced motorcycles your entire life.
1: 45 and, years. And,
0: and, and you're now, you're a few years older than me, and you still you still hop on one of these things and still do the jumps and turns and still wreck a motorcycle every now and then. Do you not?
1: Well, you know what they say, you either living or you're dying.
0: <laughs> you know what? There's so much truth to that, and it's hard for us to live in the moment, but I think you do a remarkable job. Uh, the The tragedies and misfortunes of life, the beauty of life, so many people, you know, they don't really realize it when the moments are great until they're reflecting on it, but you live it. And work. I've never, and also you you get to how many? You got like 14 appointments today? I Is that what have, I heard?
1: And, uh, you know, Ryan's having a great day because I brought him one of Cynthia's homemade double chocolate Girardelli brownies.
0: I, and I didn't get one because I'm in the land of far, far away. I've had them, <laughs> and, and they're not special brownies, Ryan. They're normal brownies, okay? But they are fantastically good. <laughs> So, having said that, you know, I'm I'm looking around the state. Josh Stein was in in I believe Sanford, uh, North Carolina, my old stomping ground, where I was a county commissioner long ago, and he's he's he gathers these political and healthcare officials, and he's having this big discussion about healthcare consolidation. Now, it's bizarre to me because Josh Stein. And it's so funny. Everyone in that room agreed that health care costs are going up. Everyone agreed that hospital consolidation is a bad idea. Everyone agreed that rural hospitals are closing and there's less competition. No one suggested any way to solve that problem. Even Blue Cross Blue Shield, which, you know, tried to tell us that uh, Affordable Care Act was going to save money. It hasn't. It's far more expensive and it's crushing uh, state employees and, and, and the ability for the state. We, we get hit hard enough with our own companies. But you as the state treasurer manage one of the largest pools of money in the world. And, and how is this affecting you guys?
1: Well, it's affecting us in a very negative way. And, you know, cartel, for your listeners in the Webster Dictionary, is defined as an association which is formed to restrict competition and or raise prices. That's exactly what's happening in North Carolina. And I'm not sure what Attorney General Stein did yesterday, but I do know that there's only one fingerprint on the cartelization of health care in North Carolina over the last four years, and it's his fingerprint. So he can have all the summits and all the conferences he wants. But the fact is, until we get rid of secret contracts, push the power to the consumer, tell them what health care costs, the cartel is going to get even more powerful. On top of the fact that not only do they control the price and the access, they control the supply through something called a certificate of need, yes. which the acronym is CON.
0: In that law, uh, several states are, have started the process of trying to overturn those laws. The certificate of need law, alive and well here in North Carolina, has been a problem for some time because it limits competition. Competition in healthcare is good. If if you only had one dentist to go to in your town, you would he could charge whatever he wanted to. He can raise the prices on you. Doesn't even have to provide that great of service. You probably know little, very little about the kind of service he's providing you. But if you have multiple dentists, same thing with plastic surgeons with LASIK's eye surgery. When you have competition, competition is good, lowers prices, creates more diversity of options, it creates a a higher level of service. But in in our healthcare system in North Carolina, it's becoming, you know, many people who are worried about socialized healthcare, as they should be, aren't looking at what's going on under their noses, which is, like you said, these giant cartels that have bought up doctors and doctor practices, limited competition, and they have coverage from the North Carolina General Assembly and the attorney general and the governor to give them political cover to say, keep on screwing us over. Keep on charging whatever you want. Here's what Josh Stein, the state attorney general said, and I want you to comment on this, Dale. He said, what we need, and this is to me, says nothing. What we need to do is have a very clear standard of review that my office can engage in no matter what kind of transaction it is, where we can put the interest of the patient at the very top, because right now that's not the fundamental question that's asked when these transactions go forward. That statement says nothing. About solving this problem,
1: nothing. Well, I agree, and let's let's not leave out the female dentist in this state when you talk about the dentist. So, uh, but anyway, going back to your point, is you're exactly right, and you know every time that someone like myself challenges an assumption or tries to ask a question that hasn't been asked before, you know, folks like him just call it political. And the yes. people of this state do not care what political party you're a member of, they know what gender you are, or what color that you are. They just want their problem solved. And for 20% of someone's income to be going towards something they don't understand, they would rather not consume. That would mean they weren't sick. When they try to inquire what it's going to cost, they're told it's none of their business. And then when they don't pay the bill, they have the opportunity to have their credit rating destroyed. There's yep. something wrong about that. And there, as I said earlier, there's only one person whose fingerprint is on these transactions over the last four years.
0: And 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 presumed by the way, Attorney General Josh Stein. They don't call the AG the aspiring governor for nothing. Uh, many have, have have gone from that slot right in. You know, Mike Easley went from that slot, Attorney General to Governor. Uh, certainly, Roy Cooper did. Now we've got in the in 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 the side, so to speak. We've got Josh Stein, the aspiring governor of the state of North Carolina. So he's saying all these things, prepping, trying not to make enemies in this circle while acting to the public like he's doing something. But no one seems to know what it is he's doing. We've got to take a break here. We're going to keep state treasurer Dale Falwell in for the next segment. We've got much more to discuss with him here at News Talk 1110-993. Welcome back, folks. Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. He's off today. Living the American dream. With us right now, Dale Falwell, state treasurer, sitting in the studio with us. Glad to have you listening. As always, the rules when, when I'm hosting is that callers always come first. Dale, uh, we want to get back to the, the healthcare. care, this, and this caller connects to something else that's near and dear to your heart. Jeff, welcome to the show today. You you want to talk about, I'm doing fantastic. And you're calling about that NC Cash, which the state treasurer has also pushed out there with all this unclaimed money. So go ahead. How are you?
2: Well, well my, my question is this. I was looking at that site the other day, and I found seven entries for my mother. and my mother is deceased of sixteen years. Mm-hmm. So I actually called um I guess it was the NC treasury I called that the number, and I was told that the only way that that cash could be claimed was if you opened her estate again right and and that's that's the most foolish answer I've ever heard because if you can't claim it, where does it go back to the state? It doesn't belong to the state.
1: Sure. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. This is the state treasurer. Uh, that is not a rule we put in place. Uh, that's uh, determined by the clerk of courts. Uh, and we constantly try to work on, with the clerk of courts on try to, how to make this process easier and less costly for folks like you to go through the process. And uh, I'm going to get your number from Ryan. And uh, I will have somebody from the treasurer's office call you back when I get back to Raleigh.
2: That would be great.
1: Yeah, but but you know, uh, sometimes uh, I mean, I I have I'm standing on the shoulders of our public servants, and uh, you may say it sounds foolish, but that's that's what the law says. You cannot claim something from someone who's deceased unless the estate is either open. Well, it's still open. Yeah, Yeah. I understand
2: what you're saying, yeah. but at the same time, it sounds to me like the state of north carolina is is laying claim to it
1: well that's these uh these uh laws are actually nationwide because every state has one, and we are in compliance but the fact is is that trying to get an answer to your question uh is something that I'm very interested in, and I will have somebody reach back out to you
2: i mean it just it seems to me of course i I don't know all the inner workings, but it seems to me if this is about taxable income or about taxes based on the amount that you guys are holding.
1: It's not about and, that at all. The money stays there forever. And the and the well, General, and, the and, general and Assembly doesn't next, get it. That
2: way you really never clear the book.
1: Yes. We, uh, we're, we have $912 million sitting in, in NC Cash, but we have about a billion and a half dollars worth of liability on NC Cash because of the last many years, the General Assembly has taken uh, between $40 and $60 million and 60000000 dollars a year out of NC cash in order for, for veteran scholarships.
2: Well, I, I you know, I, that, that's a problem as well. Okay. Um, if, especially if they're pulling from funds that don't belong to them. Well, but, yeah, I would, I would love to, I would love to speak with someone and see if there's a, a different route that can be taking, uh, that we should be taking here.
1: Well, thank you. And as I said, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, there's not a different route, but I'm, we are constantly working with the clerk of, clerk of court's, across North Carolina to try to figure out how we can make this easier and more efficient less costly.
2: I guess guess what you're telling me, I've never seen this in the 16 years it's been on there. I was told this year, hey, you need to take a look. So if if that money is going to sit there 10 years from today, if I look again, it's going to still be there. Is that correct?
1: Yes, we have money that's been sitting there for 50 years.
0: Isn't that amazing, Jeff? I mean, unclaimed money that the state doesn't get; it just sits there and has to be managed and looked for until someone can legally, you know, say they have they have the ability to have access to it.
1: Yeah, we've uh, we've broken all records. We've uh, paid out seventy three million dollars out of NC Cash over the last uh, fiscal year to over one hundred twenty five thousand people. We have the potential of doubling that this year because we've we're doing NC Cash Match dot uh, com, where we're automatically sending people money to people that where everything lines up automatically and at the, uh, at the end of the day, we are trying to even double the amount of money we sent out last year because we're in the check delivery business, and Chad, most people think about that in terms of the health care, pension, and pharmaceutical benefits for those that teach, protect, and serve, but getting money back out to folks through uh, NC Cash is also part of being in the check delivery business.
0: And it's the first time that someone's really pushed that. I mean, no other treasurer that I know have ever pushed that before, so I appreciate that. Jeff, thank you for the call, man, and and. Hope you get your situation resolved. All right. Now, uh, Mr. Treasurer, you know, we were talking about the health care system. And by the way, nccash.com, if you if you think some of that money might be yours, nccash.com, you can fill out your name, information, and, and you'll see if it's there. It's, it's one of the easiest websites to navigate. You'll be surprised. You'll really be surprised. And you might be surprised that you have money out there that you didn't know about. So how much is out there right now, Dale?
1: Uh, nine hundred and forty million dollars, and you know, last year we gave money to the Panthers. The Panthers gave it to the Domestic Abuse Alliance here in Charlotte. They had money there. Three of the five reporters who cover the story had money there. And uh, last uh, two months ago, we gave money to the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and they donated the money to uh, the Children's uh, Speedway Children's Charities. They had money there. And at two uh, thirty today, we're giving money to the Charlotte Rugby Team, who has money sitting at NCCash.com. So it's not just individuals, it's also nonprofits, churches, and businesses.
0: Well, appreciate that, and appreciate the update for folks listening. Now, you know, going back to this, the the healthcare situation, again, we have great healthcare, we have wonderful hospitals, uh, we have uh, care, but the problem is you know, the Affordable Care Act did nothing to make health care more affordable. In fact, prices have escalated dramatically, sometimes going up 10, 12, 15 percent per year. It's to the point that the Kaiser Foundation says that almost all health care plans that are uh, put forth by self-funded companies are uh, are unable to move forward. Twenty three percent of an employee's compensation now is eaten up by health care costs. Not not the cost of health care, but the cost of health insurance, which has escalated dramatically as well. We've got to get to the point where we have some competition out there. You know, people going to hospitals, self insured. I, I saw an article. It was actually Jim Bergen, a Republican from Harnett County Center that was at the meeting with Josh Stein, who was talking about that Medicaid, they want to, the only real solution is to expand Medicaid government spending, not looking at competition. They never look at competition. It's, it's like everything goes toward government answer to this. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, my thoughts are that, uh, there's enough money being spent on health care in North Carolina that we have a real opportunity to get it right. And I know that uh, I'm sitting here as part of the torso of North Carolina in the Charlotte area and going up through the Triad, the Triangle, and then skipping over in some respects to Wilmington and Asheville. Uh, but at the end of the day, if we were known as the state with transparent health care, given what Harlan Bowl said 35 years ago, state Alter Beth Wood said 12 years ago, Bill Gates said 14 years ago, or Warren Buffett, or even Senator Elizabeth Warren, if we were known as the state with transparent health care, it would be an economic gold rush for our state, not just for the torso of North Carolina, but for the legs, arms, toes, and fingers, uh, mainly, mainly, rural North Carolina.
0: Very well said, and and we do not have transparency in billing. I, I, Dale knows I do some peripheral. I do some work with another company that does deal with medical travel very transparent we have found that in every state in the country there's almost non no existence of transparent billing and see, it's easy to understand billing. And so there is competition, but you often have to import it. You have to go to a different market and compare it to the market you're in and get it. But, Dale, thank you for being a part of the broadcast today. I know you're busy. you got like 12, 14 appointments. Some you've already uh, had this morning and more to go. So, Dale, thanks for being a part of the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for informing people about these important subjects, not just affirming how they may already think. Thank you. You
0: know what's bizarre? That that particular bumper right there, Dire Straits, Sting doing the over in the end. That was my original thing <laughs> when I had my first show back in 2010. That's funny. That's like you know paranormal stuff. That's like right there on the fringe, out there. You know we had Agent Mueller doing stuff yesterday here on the on the broadcast. So not not a real uh, surprise. But good good read there. I'm impressed. Uh, appreciate Del Fawa being a part of the broadcast. What he is trying to do, he's trying to. And it's amazing. If you think about this, Dale Falwell is an understated guy. If you've ever met him, he's, he's an unassuming guy. He's not, you know, six feet tall or whatever. He, But one of the hardest working people, and even his backstory about how he ended up going through college and putting himself through school, everything about his backstory, his life was never easy, ever. It's not easy now. It wasn't easy then. He doesn't pretend that it should be easy for anyone, but dedicated toward working this and realizes we have a serious health care problem in this state. Not because of, it's so funny, whenever you criticize schools, usually it's about the administrative leadership of schools and the way they're functioning, what's being handed down from DPI or the State Board of Education. But everyone says, oh, you're attacking teachers. No, we may attach a teacher's union, but it's typically not teachers. There are some bad actors, but most teachers honestly in it to, to make a difference. Same thing with nurses, doctors and hospitals. Nurses and doctors are not the administration. These administrative bodies, the bureaucracies that are attached to the hospitals, the hospitals themselves are not dedicated toward lowering prices. They're not dedicated toward making your bills easier to understand. They give lip service to that. They act like they care. But if you look at the state, if you were to look at the state and look at the way the state's divided up between the large hospitals and the number of rural hospitals that no longer exist, it's a cartel. If you were to take a map of Mexico, I'd say in the late 80s, and look at the way Mexico was divided up. Amongst the drug producers and traffickers, it, it was a cartel. They, they had agreed this is our territory. This is what we do. And there's no competition. The same exact things happened here. I'm not and I'm not casting aspersions. They took every shot at trying to get rid of Dale Fowler's Treasury last time. When he was running for office, the hospital cartels, they wanted him gone. And, and and there were friendlies, Republicans and Democrats alike, that are owned and operated by these cartels in the General Assembly that will never, ever lift a finger to try to make billing simpler, to try to make it more understandable. They talk about it. Oh, we want more transparent billing. No more surprise billing. Why not make it simple? Here's your hospital bill. Here's It's easy to understand. It's not. It, 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 there's nothing about what the hospitals are doing right now that are easy to understand. I mean, I, I can give you, I can give you plenty of anecdotal evidence with my story, my wife's story. I can give you evidence of my mother's story right now. It's nothing easy or simple. It healthcare hasn't gotten better. It's become just bureaucratized. And at a certain point, the cry, and you find it from people like Jim Bergen, Senator Bergen from Harnett County, Republican, when he starts saying maybe, maybe we need to expand Medicaid and Medicare, maybe that's what we need to do. We need more government since when and that's once once the cartels break those remaining forces that want free market competition once they break them and bring them to their knees then it's just the open door where checks start getting written from government now the problem with that and the, the cartels don't get this they should because it happens once they break all of the political will to resist you know there's no more resistance to expanding medicare and medicare Then you've opened the door for socialized medicine full. And that's when the hospitals are going to be like, wait a minute. We didn't want to do this. That's not we wanted it to stop with us being in control of everything. They they don't they don't recognize that they're authoring their own demise and and we as citizens are being diminished with respect to competition and opportunity. Now you say, Chad, why do you say this? Well, I've been in medical travel for about a decade now. I I enjoyed it's amazing going to self-insured companies and saying, hey, you have an option. You don't just have to deal with what's here. And it's so funny because people said only only the wealthy people go to, well, Wake Forest and go to Duke and go to Wake Med or UNC, that the, the poor people have to stay in their relative communities. Well, we work with poor communities all over the country and we're giving them stellar health care with a company. That, and it's amazing. Take them to a different place. Take them to, I don't know, Cleveland Clinic, who's a partner. Take them down into uh, Costa Rica and they're getting the same or better health care with lower infection rates at a fifth of the cost. And having better outcomes and getting back to work, and not only do the employees not have to pay a deductible because the cost is so much cheaper, the employees get a check when they come back to work. That's the kind of innovation. That's the kind of innovative stuff that's taking place. And there are several medical groups in this state and around the country that are starting to say, "We don't want to be a part of that cartel. We want to. We want to uh, have competition. We want to. We have figured out a way to have straightforward billing to give you a price when you walk in the door. You want to get something done. That's where the pushback is. The problem." We have a certificate of need process here in North Carolina. It sounds real complicated. It's true. I loved what Dale said. The acronym is con. It is a big con. And what it means is that you, me, or anyone else that wants to create a competitive opportunity, if we wanted to start a dialysis center, we wanted to have some hospital beds, we wanted to create a new care center, we have to go through an extraordinarily expensive, difficult, archaic, medieval process where we put all this information together and submit it to the state so that the governor himself can sign Yes, we believe you should be allowed to operate. And it's very whimsical. If, if, a, if a hospital association or a hospital group says, we don't want them here, they can, they can have the governor just stop it. Don't let, let, don't let that new dialysis center. That would compete with us. Don't allow this new group. That's a problem. I mean, that's a, a really serious, absolute train wreck mess that we've created for ourselves. We don't need to do that. We can do better. We can, again, when I tell you the competition is real and it works, look at elective plastic surgeries and look at what's going on in eye care. It's gotten better. It's gotten cheaper. It's gotten more opportunities. It's gotten so much better. But a lot of those things are not covered under certificate of need because it's not needed. Selective, So you you do find that, imagine again, like I said yesterday, if you go to the grocery store and there's only one maker of cereal, when you walk down that aisle and you're looking at all those amazing, I got 5,000 choices. I don't even know what version of chocolate flavored whatever I want to get. Maybe I want a grain one. I've got options. But if you did it, imagine if you were to go into your grocery store and your grocery stores were set up like the hospital cartels are and you only had one brand of everything. You walked in your grocery store and there was only one brand of everything. You had no choice. There's no other. And then the prices start going up. And then people like Josh Stein start saying, "Well, that's that's, you know, we've got to do something." And he says nothing but, you know, Josh Stein has no interest none whatsoever in creating a more diverse and and competitive healthcare system and we should have one. Now, we're going to take a break here in a couple seconds. to kick it up to the top of the news and I I believe it's uh I better get this right now. It's Mr. Mr. Dunn is going to take it away at the top of the hour. Okay, heart out. We'll see you in a few minutes. Stay tuned. Hour two getting ready to be underway.